That is the source of it all. All right, let's open our Bibles now to Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to be reading verses 9 through 13. When you find your place in God's holy word, please stand. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose up and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous but sinners. Let's read the word. You may be seated. As I said a little bit earlier, this is Memorial Day weekend. Um, this is one of those weekends, um, a lot of times, especially tomorrow, people will say, Happy Memorial Day. There's nothing happy about Memorial Day. It's like saying to a Christian, Happy Good Friday. It just is something we, we shouldn't do, but we should be remembering. So I pray if you have family to get together with tomorrow, you have a good time. You enjoy your family. Thank God for that time with your family. But also remember those that are having that heartache because their loved ones can't be there for our freedom. And as Christians, that also to remind us that each and every day we should be reminded of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Amen. Each and every day we, we should think and how we have the offer of salvation and we one day will be with him because of that. Let us never forget that. Many times we have expectations of our, especially children, when we're when we're mom and dad, or even grandma and grandpa, or even uncle and aunt, we, we have expectations. I know we have two moms right here who, who their babies are one or just about to be a year old, and they have hopes and dreams and expectations what their little girls will grow up to be. And I, I think we all could think of people in, in our lives. I, you know, I look at my daughter and have hopes and dreams and expectations that she will grow up to be a godly woman. But we have this man here who is, uh, his name we are told is Matthew the Tax Collector. In the Gospel of Matthew, that's a big hint. Um, if you go to Mark and Luke, Mark and Luke don't describe him as Matthew the tax collector. It is Matthew who reveals that um, about himself and, and points it out that he is this outcast, this black sheep. And, but his name isn't actually Matthew even. His name is Levi. And you do know where the name Levi comes from. You know, we have, have these, these 12... Uh, sons of Jacob. One of them is Levi, and he, he is charged with, with being the, the priestly tribe. He, he would have uh, uh, been very much um, uh, after um, many years, uh, Moses and Aaron are born, and Aaron is established as the first high priest. And, and so over and over again, we, we see that this particular name is set aside for doing God's work. And so that is what his parents hoped for him. I, I don't know what your parents hope for you. Maybe, maybe they desire for you to grow up to be a deacon or a pastor or, or, or to be serving the God in, in how, whatever way God has uh, blessed you to serve him. But maybe you had a hard road and you didn't quite live up to those expectations. I think many of us could, could uh, maybe that's ourselves or there's someone in our family that is like that. So you can identify with, with Matthew here. He is a tax collector. Where he was stationed would have been um, right, right at, at the border 
um, at, at the end of Israel where they would have been going into the other parts of, of Rome. And just like in our, our society, uh, if you're going to be importing or exporting goods, there is a tax to be paid. And that was Matthew's job. He was to collect that tax. But the reason that the tax collectors were so looked down upon is first, they worked for the occupying Romans. They were viewed as traitors, treasonous. But at the same time, when, when Caesar said, I want you to collect two silver coins for each piece of cloth that goes out of my empire, Matthew's going up to somebody and says, Caesar told me five. And so you know what's happening to those other three coins. He's pocketing them. We understand the animosity. Uh, the Pharisees even would teach that, that to lie to another human being is to lie to God. It is a sin. It's breaking the Ten Commandments. Unless that person is a what? Tax collector. They said if you could cheat a tax collector, you are doing favor to God. That is what they would teach. That is not a right teaching. It is still lying. I want to make that really clearly. When you go to do your taxes next year, do not say, Pastor Dylan said, I can tell you, I make a little less than I do. That is not what I'm saying. But I'm wanting you to know the animosity that Matthew would have had to deal with. And so it is no small thing when Jesus comes up to Matthew and says, You, you tax collector, come follow me. Matthew would have been leaving a lucrative business. He would have been leaving a lot of money behind. How many of us would be willing to leave our jobs for Jesus? I've done it. I, I pray that Jesus holds more sway in your heart than your job, than the finances that you have coming in. You know, Larry was talking about how we are a poor church. Only in the way the world looks at finances. We are very blessed. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Word of God is preached. Amen. We are a rich church Amen. in the things that matter. Amen. And so, when we think about Matthew, we have a great debt. I give praise to God for Matthew. There, there's a, a passage that has meant a lot to my wife and I. Uh, you'll find it in the Sermon on the Mount, recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, it reads as this. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I remember there's a, a period in life, I'll, I'll share that testimony now, where my wife and I, we had been praying for seven years that God would bless us with a child. So I'm just getting teary-eyed, give her tissue. And God answered that prayer finally after seven years. There was a lot of agony, fervent prayer, unceasingly, going on and on, and, and a, a lot of moments where we had to go to doctors, and they gave us no hope. They said, you'll never have children. But God sent us to a doctor. His name was Dr. Zavid Benor from Jerusalem. 
He went to Hebrew University, and I said, that's my doctor. I saw God sign up on it. And, and he had us go through the things, and, and God blessed us. And, and we, we were pregnant with, with my daughter, but very soon we had a very serious scare. Where I got a call on the way to work with my, my wife being frantic, saying that she was bleeding all over the floor and being rushed to the hospital by my grandmother. Thankfully, as, obviously, as you all know, God protected my daughter. She was fine. But the doctor said, you know, you're going to have to be on bed rest the rest of your pregnancy. Two months in, give you a little background. I worked at the mailroom for Blue Cross making $8.50 an hour. That was 50 cents higher than minimum wage at the time, just to give you a reference point. And I'm like, how in the world am I going to pay rent, have a, a provide for my wife and, and our, our daughter, to put food on the table, the, the bills, and the gas in the car? I drove a Dodge Ram 1500 at the time, the V8. It took $100 to fill up just to be able to go back and forth to work for one week. It was just, it was mind-boggling. And our pastor's wife at the time called my wife and gave her that passage. And we knew it was going to be okay. And it was okay. We trusted in God, and as the few months went along, I got an opportunity at work to be what's called a claims examiner. It was nearly a $25,000 increase in pay. That is God. Amen. And a little bit later, as, as my, my money got tight again, God provided me with the IT job, which, which was another significant increase. I'm telling you, if you have faith in God to provide for you, He will provide for you. Amen. If you have faith that your bank account will provide for you, a day will come where you are, are in need. God is faithful. All the time. So when... So when we look at Matthew, I want us to realize the reality of his walking away from his tax collector booth, of following after Jesus, and how the world already looked down upon him. But Jesus didn't. Maybe your family looks down upon you. Jesus doesn't. Maybe, maybe you need that assurance that God loves you. God showed his love to you through his son by sending him to the cross. Amen. And even more so, he's, he's promised that love by his son returning for you if you placed your faith in him. We, we should long for that day. But we also should have that fervent prayer for our loved ones that are lost. We see when Jesus, later that day, he goes to have a meal. He has a meal with Matthew. And what happens? The Pharisees show up because if you remember last week, They've been investigating Jesus. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Now they've gone on to phase two where they really start to prone and ask questions. And they are uneasy with this. Notice the, the way they worded They go to the other disciples and say, Is your master eating with tax collectors and sinners? Notice in the Pharisees' minds that a tax collector is worse than a sinner. Believe it or not, I don't know if we have any actual tax collectors in here. But we are all sinners. But in their mind, they viewed Matthew as so detestable that you were not even supposed to eat with him. How horrifying it must have been to be Matthew where most people would not eat. They would leave the restaurant if they were in our society today. You would see that person like, oh, I can't eat here. They're here. I got to leave. That is what the life of Matthew would have been. But he followed Jesus because Jesus is worth following. 
He gave up all the money. The reason he put up with the ridicule was is because his bank account was getting higher and higher. He could have had the nice house even if no one would come and visit. And in many of us, we, we face very similar situations where, where the world is promising us all this worldly stuff, all the pleasures that the world has to offer, or we could follow Jesus and be rejected. When I read about Matthew, I read about Dylan. I read about everyone here. We, we can identify with Matthew to forsake the world and all it has to offer, to leave our tax collectors booth, leave the riches that this world has to offer, and follow after Jesus. Now Jesus has chosen to bless some with the type of jobs that, that you're financially well off. But as I, I told the girls earlier, it's not really your money. It's God's money. And he expects you to, yes, use it for your family. He doesn't, he's not against you using it to, to have certain uh, things in life. But he also expects you to use it for his kingdom. The self-righteous Pharisees, they, were, they would ridicule Jesus. But Jesus has something to say to them. In Luke 4.22, he says, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying that the Pharisees... They tithed to the letter of the law. There was not one thing that someone could accuse and said, oh, you received a, a gift of uh, spices and seasoning, but you didn't tithe on those. No, they tithed everything. No one was going to be able to go up to the Pharisee and say they were unrighteous in any letter of the law. They lived their whole life to live up to the letter of the law. But what Jesus is saying, your tithes mean absolutely nothing because your heart is sinful. You are not doing it because you desire to honor and please God. You are going about and saying, look at everything I do. Give me praise. We see later Jesus will, will, will tell about a Pharisee and says, Lord, thank you that I'm not like this sinner over here. And that, that man, of course, is told to be the righteous one because he will not even look up to heaven. He says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. So let us be careful before we get self-righteous about giving. But understand that we need to be giving from the heart. Now I will, will point out that Jesus says, These you ought to have done. Some here are lacking. Because they are not giving from the heart. They are not actually giving. And some will say, well, I got bills to pay. I can't give to God. But you give to your government when the tax bill comes around. You give to your mortgage company or your landlord. You give to the electric company. But for some reason, God comes way down on your list. That, that, is, that is not good. But I also realize that as I've been the pastor here for just about three years, I have not preached on tithes and offering. And we have many new believers here who may not understand what it is. The word tithe, what does that mean? It literally means a tenth part in the Hebrew, 10%. So to say tithing means anything other than 10%, you're not being honest with the language. That, that is what the word tithe actually means. I want to take you back to the very first time in the Bible we see the, the, the tithing, the, the, the tithe as, as a tenth part given. To give you a backstory, there's a man named Abraham. He is said to be the, the founder of, of the Jewish faith and, 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 late, and through that the, the Christian faith. And he, he 
Um, at this time, was named Abraham. Was not his name was not yet changed by God to Abraham. But something horrible had happened. There were nine kings who went to battle, and as the 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 four kings prospered over over the five kings, they raided the city called Saddam. Later, we'll know from Saddam and Gomorrah when he went and was judged by God. But at this time, Abraham has a nephew named Lot living in Sodom, and so he has been taken prisoner. Obviously, Abraham, this does not sit well with him. So Abraham is a wealthy man. He has many servants, many soldiers that, that are in his occupation because he was a shepherd of thousands of animals. And so he had to protect those animals from robbers and from wolves and various things. So he goes off to free his son or his nephew, Lot, who was like a son to him. And at the same time, he frees the others who have been captured and brings back the spoil and puts those kings to death. And on the way back, two kings meet him. There's a king of Salem, which later will be known as Jerusalem. And there's also uh, the king of Sodom. And, and they both come, come out to him. And so I will read this now from Hebrews. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to Abraham appointed a tenth part of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. So his names, Melchizedek's names, mean righteousness and peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days or end of life, but resembling the Son of God. He continues a priest forever. And Jesus is recorded as being a priest after the order of Melchizedek. So I ask you a question, who is Melchizedek? It is Jesus. It's what we call the pre-incarnate Jesus. It is Jesus appearing on earth before he takes on flesh in the form of the baby through the virgin birth. And so here we have Abraham giving a tithe to who? Jesus. To Jesus, to God himself. When we tithe, do we give it to the church or to God? God. We tithe to God. We give it to God. The church is a steward for God. We are representatives of God on this earth. And so I, I've, I've heard a, a person one time, um, not part of this church, but say, well, I'm not going to give to that church, but uh, I'll give to missionaries or pastors. And what they're saying is they're not willing to give to God. They're, they're, they're only going to be willing to, to uh, give to people they could vet and trust. And that is sinful in their hearts because they're saying that those people, even that they're representatives of God, they don't trust them. So, so I... I would ask you and implore you as, as we, we talk about ties in the church to be willing to trust who God has anointed and appointed as leaders here. God will anoint and appoint and raise up future leaders as well. And we need to trust that, that God is with us, that the Spirit is guiding us in the decisions that will be made. And so it is important that we understand Melchizedek is God and God revealed to Abraham. And to this other king, after uh, Genesis 14, after his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Saddam went out to meet him at the valley of Sheve, that is the king's valley. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. This is another point. Who else do you know brings bread and wine? Hence the Last Supper. It's Jesus. The reason that we celebrate with bread and wine is because God first instituted it. The covenant that is made in the Last Supper in that upper room is a very similar covenant that is made with Abraham by Melchizedek. 
And he met Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought up bread and wine. He was priest of the God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. Blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Notice that Melchizedek is both blessing Abraham but giving God the praise, the Father. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord God, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abraham rich. Abraham is made rich by God, and is God's will for Abraham's life. But it is very keen and important to understand that Abraham is not willing to allow the world to make him rich. You can take shortcuts. You can lie, cheat, and steal to become rich. You could be the tax collector and, and rob people. But that you'll get no honor from God in doing that. And the world will be able to say, it is because of us that he is doing well. But Abraham would never allow such an accusation to be placed on him. So I want us to see that there are really two principles on display in, in this first tithe, if you will. Tithes are paid to God. And the church receives the tithes as the representatives, as we have already discussed. And number two is that it is God who provides. We need to get past the, how much of my money should I give to the church? It's not your money. It's God's money. He has told you what to give already. The word tithe means a tenth. A tenth part of your increase. That, that thinking is absolutely wrong when we say, how much of my money am I going to give back? Because you're pretending that somehow you are sole possessor, that, that you created that. Now, let's be honest. God created the heavens and the earth. God created you. He created the, the metal that we use to make our coins and the trees that we get the paper from to print out our cash. Everything belongs to God. And he has blessed you to allow to be a steward of a little or a lot. But he has an expectation that you'll return it for the, the sake of the kingdom. God doesn't want you to give money to, to make a church have a nice building. God gives you money so that his kingdom will go forth. Now, earlier I, I asked the kids, you know, what they're going to do with the money. And they weren't sure, you know, Ella being the preacher's daughter, she did, she, did the, she did the right thing. She said, this is not really my money, this is God's money. And she gave it to the admissions fund. And Vanessa followed, followed suit. And we, we thank God for their kind hearts. God has blessed you. How are you going to deal with that blessing? It is not wrong to provide a house for your family or transportation that you need or food on the table. He's given you the 90% to do that with. But if you withhold the 10th part, you are actually sinning against God. God promises that he will be faithful to the tither. We see Matthew walks away and he represents that faithfulness to trust in God. Because what we're really doing when we don't tie that 10%, it's not about the money. It's about your heart. Are you saying that, that you need that money, that you trust in that money to provide for you? Or are you going to say, you know what, I'm going to sacrifice. And for many of us, I live paycheck to paycheck myself. I know it's a sacrifice to tie, but it's meant to be. Because it shows that you trust in God before you trust in the ways of the world, the ways of man. I'm going to have a slide up, up here in just a second. I wanted to be real honest and for you to be real practical. 
And a way to tell where your heart is with God is to open your, your checkbook, look, look at your register where you record what you spend your money on. I, I put a list of my top five things. If you, if you have your checkbook today, I encourage you to go through where, where do you spend the most amount of money? These are the top five expenses for my family. Number one's the mortgage, $585 a month. Number two is our tithes. You, you guys as a church, you, you have access to know what I make. I am employed by the church as the pastor. My salary is $34,000, and then I get a housing allowance. I tithe on everything that God gives me. And so at the end of the year, my tithing will be $5,200. I don't care if there's $6 in the bank or $600. I'm tithing the same amount. I'm not going to short God because God has been too faithful. $490 causes the house insurance and the property taxes. It's expensive in Illinois, I know. $400 for groceries and a $370 car payment. One of those eventually will go away, the car payment. The rest of them, they're going to be there for a while. So part of me showing you this is to see I understand the hardship. I understand living paycheck to paycheck of, of what it's like to, to have very little. But I tell you, God is faithful. If you are, are faithful in a little, he will give you much more. He doesn't promise to give it to you in this life. There's a passage where Jesus says, Those who forsake homes or jobs or money or even family, they will receive a hundredfold in the kingdom to come. We have many false teachers out there that will say, give us, give us your money and God's going to bless you. You'll receive a hundredfold by next week. And they're absolutely lying to you. They're twisting the words of scripture to line their pockets. And they will receive the damnation they deserve. Make no mistake about it. God is not mocked. But he will bless you if you are willing to be blessed by being faithful and tithing. Jesus said, those who love me will do what I command. The tithe is part of the command that Christ gives us. <coughs> but I want us to examine, this has been part of the, the Old Testament we've looked at with the tithe. If we look at the New Testament, it's even more. Well, from the book of Acts, chapter, chapter 4, verse 32 through 35, we read, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, and no one said that, any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid at the apostles' feet. And was distributed to each as any had need. The church is said to have everything in common that the church would give as any had have need. This meant the church tithe 10%, but at any time a need arise, they would step up. That is what is called an offering. An offering is something that is either based on, on your time, your talent, or your treasure. The treasure would be the financial part. We see in the early church that many of them sacrificed their homes to provide for the needs of the early church. I'm not asking you to sell your houses off, but what I'm saying is when there is a need, we as brothers and sisters should be willing to step up and help our brothers and sisters. This is speaking of those in the church. Those that, that are brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes, there will, there will always be scammers out there trying to lie to you to tell you that, that they have this need. And we are to be prudent. Jesus tells us that we are to be wise as serpents. 
Well, we are to examine the need. But if there is a need, we as a church should be willing to meet it. And we have a very special blessing because there have been recent times, funerals and such, that we've been able to step up and provide for, for those needs. And I think that is a great honor that the church should be proud of. We shouldn't look down and say, well, why, why are we spending this? No, we should say, thank you, God, we had this to be able to, to help those in their time of need. But as, as we, we consider this, I said earlier, if you do not tithe, it is a sin. And I'll show you from Scripture where, where I can actually say that. From Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. This is the prophet Malachi getting a word from the Lord that the, the nation of Israel is robbing him. They are stealing from God by not tithing. And I want to bring up the point that Malachi would be the last word spoken to Israel for over 400 years until the birth of John the Baptist. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Notice the grace here. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with the curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe to the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing, until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the fields shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. See, Israel was withholding their, their tithes. And God was not going to bless their land for it. When the crops dry up, there's no money to have. There's no food to put on the table. They rebelled against God and they would be put into captivity. They were still in that captivity when Jesus came. And they longed to, to be set free from it. I believe there, there's some of us, whether financially or, or in our relationships, are suffering because we're not being obedient to God. Should you expect a blessing from God when you ignore what he has told you to do? You shouldn't. Just like you wouldn't expect if when you went to work that, that your boss is giving you a job to do and you don't do that job. You think your boss is going to pay you very much? No, he's going to say, here's the door. But somehow we expect God to just pour out blessings on our disobedience. Pretend that, that we're not rebelling against him when we actually are. So I encourage you to, to know that God is faithful. For salvation, it requires faith. For us to repent of our hearts and place our faith in Christ. But God has asked us to be obedient so that others may be saved. We are obedient in our tithes so the kingdom can go forward. So we could send out missionaries. So we could have pastors proclaiming the gospel. Let me ask you a question. Let's, let's get real honest here, church. Where would you be without this church? Just say the last three years I have been here. What if this church wasn't here? I've done 12 funerals. Where would you have been without your church when our beloved Papa Tom Juanita passed away? When our youth pastor Justin Moncrief passed away? When many of our mom and dads have gone home to glory? You would not have had me there by your side. You would not have your brothers and sisters here comforting you. 
you would not have had those fellowship meals or that food provided. You would not have had the hope been given to you and your family members that they are not actually dead, but they are alive in glory, awaiting the day that we get called home. The church does an important work in the life of believers. But sometimes we take it for granted. Let me give you the two, two men in the Bible that I could find that are not faithful tithers. Well, way back, Cain and Abel. Abel was a faithful tither, was considered righteous. Cain gave what was left over. He did not tithe, he was what we call a tipper. If the, the money that, that you pull out is your leftovers in your wallet, you're tipping God, just like you would a waiter. Thank you for the service, God. I enjoyed the sermon. Here's 20 bucks. You're tipping God. You're not tithing. You're giving the leftovers. Did God accept Cain's offering? No, and he was wrathful to the point where he killed, killed his brother. Do not pretend that if you put in a plate, you will receive a blessing if your heart is not right, if it's the leftovers. And the other one, Darren wanted something, so I'll pick on him. There you go, brother. Now, for the record, Darren is a faithful tither. As a leader, I, I know this. The other one was given a bag very similar to that. What do you think's inside of there? 30 pieces of silver, probably. Absolutely. <laughs> 11 out of the 12 were faithful tithers. The one that wasn't sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. The price of a slave. Eventually, he, he feels bad that Jesus is going to be put to death. He doesn't repent of his sin. It says he changed his mind because Jesus was going to be put to death. And he tries to give it back. Would the temple, the representatives of God on earth, take it? No. So you could keep that little extra change that's in your pocket, but don't expect the blessings. You're in some very bad company when you skip the tithe. Don't expect the blessing to come upon your household or to come upon your family. When you're wondering why your life's a mess, you can look at your heart. Are you being faithful to God? God is and always will be faithful to you. There's not a time that you've cried out to God and you've needed him where he's like, sorry, I can't do it today. I can't go to church today. I'm watching TV. It's too hot outside. It's too cold outside. We come up with all kinds of excuses. God never once gives us an excuse. He looks at a heart and he responds accordingly. I bring this message to you in a, a timely point because, as I said, I'm going to be very blunt and honest with you. This church, for a long time, has been very blessed to have resources in abundance. And part of that came about because there's largely been a bivocational church with a bivocational pastor. You now have a full-time pastor. And we had funds for about two years knowing what our current giving levels were and what we had in savings. That will run out in September. We are not at a point where the church will ever close anytime soon, but we're at a point where we have to tighten the budget and we have to be faithful in our tithes. As I said earlier, if the, the 21 baptisms that we've done in the last three years, the one wedding, and the, the, the many funerals, that is a small part of what a church does. So I, I encourage you to... to to examine your hearts and examine how God has blessed you and to give back a tenth. This does not include the offering. 
We are a church. We love doing Operation Christmas Child. That's coming up in November. 500 boxes. $9 a box. $4,500. That will need to be an offering. And God has given us many good things that are up ahead. I, I believe, and I'm going to be bold here, I believe a day will come where this church will own every property on this block. Where we, where we will have a community center here. We will have a church that is facing Montgomery Road where, where we are well known. Where we are the reason that this community is no longer down on its luck. Where it's no longer, you don't want to buy a house in that neighborhood. You go drive through this neighborhood, you see houses just abandoned. I believe that is possible. And it's not because it's some far-fetched dream that's going to cost a lot of money. Yes, it will cost money. But here's the good news. God's already given it. Bad news is, it's in your bank account. God is looking for faith on our part to give. He's provided the resources. Now, I know some are able to give more than others. And God knows that. But God will not ask you more than he's already given you. We, we have been called as a church to, to train up and equip people to be followers of Jesus Christ. There are many buildings out there with the last name church. It doesn't make them a church. They are not preaching the gospel. They are not a church. If they are not worshiping the one true God, they are not a church. If they are not enjoying that time of, of fellowship and being there as brothers and sisters, they are not really a church. There are many church buildings in this community there's very few churches so I would encourage us today to understand that when we, we're going to equip people to be followers of Jesus Christ through his gospel we are going to live cross-centered lives and that includes tithing and we will impact our community for the glory of God but it takes a village as I say it takes all of us it takes more than my family and Darren's family and the, and the few families that, that, are, that are leaders here who have, who have been carrying that torch for a very long time, we all need to step up. We all need to be willing to be Jesus Christ for this community, to shine that light. I believe God will honor the tithers. But if we all do not respond and, and, and are willing to give that tithe, a day will come where he'll honor those families. But it may not be a new hope. Understand that really clearly. Israel is the apple of God's eye. And he told Malachi to say, you are robbing me. And he withheld his spirit for 400 years. God like this is able to turn this community around to make this church everything he desires it to be. Not what we desire it to be, but what he desires it to be. But at the end of the day, we have to look at ourselves and say, do we want that? Or do we want to continue to be a bivocational church, just have somebody show up on Sunday and preach the word and go home and not have any, any accountability to God at all? Because that, that is what you get with bivocational. I did bivocational for, for a good few years. It is hard on the pastor. They can't do it for very long, working 40 to 50 hours and trying to be everything to everyone. It's not right and it's not fair. Pastors are not employees. The reason pastors get paid a salary is so they are freed up to do the ministry that, that God has given them to do. 
If I'm not at work, I can't be ministering. It's just the way it is. So I encourage you, I know this is not a fun message to hear. But know that God is faithful. And he's already blessed us with everything that we need. We just need to be willing to, to sacrifice on our end. I'm now going to go ahead and close in prayer. In just a moment, we are going to, to play a final song. Uh, one thing I want to make really clear. This church, and God does not expect you to tithe if you are not a Christian. If you do not know who Jesus Christ is, the, the tithe is not for you. You will not receive the blessings of the tithe because you do not know who Jesus Christ is. You're, you're still lost in your sins. Matthew receives it because he follows Jesus. The Pharisees heard the same words, saw the same miracles, witnessed the exact same things as Matthew, and they are now dead in their sins in hell. But if you do not know who Jesus is, I implore you, when we sing this final song, come down, we will pray with you, uh, we will explain what it means to follow Jesus. There's not magic in the words, I'm not going to say, say this prayer, what I'm going to tell you is to repent of your heart, ask God to forgive you, and he is faithful to do so, and you will have eternal life. You'll have more than this world could ever offer. Let us pray. Abba, Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the many blessings you give us, Lord God. I thank you for the opportunity to tithe, Lord. How, how blessed are we that, that you will even allow us to, to give to your kingdom. We, we are wretched sinners, Lord. As Isaiah said, all our good deeds are like filthy rags. It is beyond imaginable how you use any of us to bring your name glory, but you choose to do so. You've, you've used the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And we thank you for it, Lord. I pray if there's anyone here, Lord, that does not know you, you'd soften their hearts, allow them to come down and receive the freedom that comes from being a follower of Jesus Christ. In your holy name, Jesus. Amen.